This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up-and-coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. There isn't just one way to become a career coach or build your coaching business. We talk about this a whole lot, but it kind of bears repetition. As you start or grow your coaching business, the best way to be successful is to make your business fit you and not just make your business fit into someone else's business model. As you mold your business to fit you and your strengths and your passions and the people you're looking to serve, you'll be able to show up as the best version of yourself. The thing that's going to make you the most successful career coach you can be and make you stand out from everybody else out there is to be you. Lydia Lee joins me today to share how she created her coaching business to fit her. And Lydia started her coaching business seven years ago. She calls herself a work reinvention specialist, which I think is absolutely amazing. And she specifically helps people, well, reinvent their work. But she also is constantly reinventing her business to fit who she is. In this conversation, you'll hear how she, well, really how you need to rewrite the story in your head, adapt marketing strategies to fit who you are and not just the best practices out there, and how to grow from one stage to the next. Well, I'm currently based in Bali, got right back in before the borders closed, depending on when you're listening to this. We had gone through a pandemic. <laughs> And originally from Vancouver, Canada, and I've been living in Bali, I guess I would call it my home base for the last seven years. It's been seven years, but I do travel a lot every year. Not so much these days, but you know, I'm someone that likes to kind of explore different lifestyle choices, you know, different cultures. I really, part of traveling of what I love is not the sort of fast travel, you know, like where you're in and out of a place in two weeks or so. You know, when I travel with my partner every year, we love to immerse ourselves in the neighborhoods and the culture in the language. And, you know, so we're, we're in a place for like four months at a time, at least. And then I go back to Vancouver to see my family every summer. And that balance for now, you know, I don't have a family at the moment. It's just me and my partner. For now, this feels right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love to do this when I do have children and a family and see how that fits. But we decide that when we cross that threshold. But yeah, that's, that's sort of my, my lifestyle vibe at this moment in time. But yeah, Bali has been my home for seven years. And great introduction of me there. I love you as a spokesperson for me, my hype man. I can do it. <laughs> Got the microphone and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, work reinvention strategist. This was kind of almost like actually not the title I started with. Actually, the first title I started with, you almost got it right, is Freedom Instigator. Instigator. But I kind of like so I kind of like Freedom Investigator because it kind of I do do investigations of understanding mm-hmm. what does freedom mean for each individual, and you know, like it's it's different from mine, and I do investigate as part of that. But I think the you know I remember when I first started my business, I really resisted calling myself a coach. I just felt like Mm. everybody and their mother and their dog is a coach, like just anyone, you know, and I felt it just didn't encompass exactly the feeling I wanted people to have, you know, when they came to work with me or find Mm. out more about me. So I thought, why don't I make this fun? Why don't I make it a title that actually causes people to like spark some curiosity and almost like, what's that? And you know, that sounds interesting. (laughs) Tell me more about what that means. And then it actually starts the conversation, you know, which has been really cool. So Freedom Instigator was sort of my fun title. And then I started kind of talk and I kind of call myself both in in a lot of ways and titles are interesting because, you know, you can get really tied, your identity can get really tied to whatever title it is that you give yourself. And then as my work evolved, you know, it's been also my seventh year anniversary this month of my business. Um, And thank you. As my work evolved into really focusing on work, like originally it was about career transition. And, you know, I still obviously talk a lot about career transition because that is an ample stage that a lot of people go through before they decide, you know, to have a business. And there's a whole new whack of 
a, you know, that stage that's very different from business building activities. It's very personal. It is reflective. You know, it's also hard <laughs> to make a choice, make a decision that is not in the trajectory of the traditional thing that everyone's been telling you about. And my work was really focused on helping people make that transition and think about how they can envision a different life, you know, and also in a lot of ways, facing some of the narratives and passed down lessons and, you know, what is truth from our families, from our history, from our culture, from our religions, from our society that has made us feel, that didn't feel right to me, but I also don't know what to do about it because no one else around me is doing anything different. So that was kind of my work in the beginning of time with Screw the Cubicle. And then as I evolved in myself and also, you know, where I really saw my highest value being offered to my clients was actually really about redefining work. You know, that work wasn't just a, let's pay the bills and get that paycheck. And then, and then I can be me on the weekends or do the work that is kind of, kind of okay, but not really that real full expression of who I am and what I can be and really growing that body of work to be more than just what I do forever for 25 years, you know, but actually, you know, position in such a way that there's room for growth and that, you know, you're constantly challenging yourself to be better at your craft. And so work was kind of this dirty word for a long time for me. And for my clients, for a lot of people that I know, and it felt like it didn't feel joyful. It was sort of a, a responsibility rather than it was an expression or an extension of self, you know? And so as I started realizing that that was actually the real work I was doing is helping people piece together the histories of their work experience, the stories that come with achievements and things that have happened in their life that have nothing to do with their resume and everything to do with their life and how those things kind of blend and marry together that can help them kind of see what that next chapter of work could be. Then that word reinvention, you know, which I thought, you know what, we are indeed going through a reinvention, whether we like it or not, we either, mm -hmm. you know, it's happening <laughs> every 10 years, every two years, whatever, however it happens for you right now, it's happening for everybody in the same go. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> We're forced to do it. Yeah. Um, but reinvention is something we can't escape, especially if we are looking to be better as people and humans, you know, and be better people in our own lives. And so instead of resisting reinvention, and resisting the change that's necessary for reinvention, you know, I really looked at how can I really take this in a way that not only look, gives them a tangible outcome of like where your work is reinventing into, but who do I personally need to reinvent into to do that work? Mm. You know, and what obstacles do I need to remove and what new definitions of success and fulfillment and deep satisfaction do I need to craft in order for me to make that happen for myself? So it's interesting because, I mean, you have a whole business seventh year anniversary, again, congratulations, around screw the cubicle, right? It was moving beyond what work itself used to be or was, and now we're moving more towards work that's more adaptive to who we are, or at least who we want to become or parts of those things. So I'm curious, because it's funny, because you mentioned, you know, really right at the beginning, you didn't, call, you didn't call yourself a coach, nor like, did we identify that term. And I think for many of our listeners, that's often, I mean, we have a whole podcast called How to Become a Career Coach. So there's probably lots of people who are coming in going, yeah, I want to be a coach. But not everybody also comes at it from the, that angle. Lots of people come at it from the same point of the world of work isn't working, but how do we make it work and how do we make it work for us? And I'm interested for you and your story, how did you know it was time to make make that leap, make that leap into your business and kind of start this, this journey that you're on now? Yeah, that's a great question. It is definitely wasn't a Gandhi moment, you know, that I had like an epiphany or God spoke to me <laughs> that made me feel, oh, that's where, where my next path is, you know? I think my work started to change when I started to change, mm -hmm. you know? And the difference is that I think back in the day, I wouldn't have noticed this change as quickly but again, because I've been working a lot of being on being present with my actions, you know, I, I'm someone of a, I'm kind of a recovering perfectionist. I'm a high achiever, you know, still a problem these days where I have to remove, you know, like kind of scale back and go, you don't need to do that much to be successful. You know, just let's rewire that. You know, my parents are an immigrant family. We grew up very poor. So that story has always been a part of my brain. It's like, you got to work your ass off 
to, mm. you know, nothing's easy. Nothing comes easy. That's a story that's always been in my head. So I had to rewire my brain constantly by choosing a different behavior <laughs> that I would ne- normally default into. And so being more present and grounded in my decisions to ask myself better questions before I made a move, which was something I never did, especially in my corporate world. I just always just moved without conscious thinking. I think that part definitely being this other person, I think helped me to notice the change that was happening within myself. And so as my business started to go from, I just want to earn a living because that was the original plan, right? Was like Mm -hmm. to replace my income, which is everyone's right goal in the first year, try to replace my income, try to get my clients, you know, all the things that you need to do in business, right? In order to feel successful, I did all those things. And then as I accomplished that, right? I got the clients, I was able to replace my income and so forth, which took about a good two years for that to happen. It wasn't overnight. Then I started to go, okay, now that my, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like my security and my financial state feels right, then it allowed me to move into the second stage of beingness, if you will, which is creativity, you know, and passion and all that stuff, right? So it's like interesting that even though passion was kind of a backbone of my brand, like, and I was passionate about helping other people, Mm -hmm. I would sometimes forget about my own passion, you know, like I would be like helping on things that I didn't want to help on or helping people build certain types of businesses that I knew was just for profit and not purpose. But and even though I can do it, it wasn't the business I kind of wanted to work on, you know, or the wrong intention of a customer, let's say, right, and mm-hmm. taking them on anyway, mm-hmm. you know, because it was a sale, right? It was a customer. And so then I started to reevaluate and go, okay, I don't want to build myself just a job, another job, right? So I have to really find the meaning of what I've done in the last two years. And where am I going with this? Because I need to understand to in order for me to keep being interested in my job, keep being interested in growing this business, I needed to understand what, what's changed in the mm-hmm. way that I even view this whole thing called work. What does work mean for our lives? You know, And for me, in a lot of ways, from my own self-experimentation of leveraging the work I do right, in the way I do it to, to serve a life I want, right, which is the life we talked about in the beginning, which is that flexibility, that lifestyle freedom, right? The ability to work from anywhere. That was important to me. So a lot of how I design my business needs to let me have that life. And in some ways, in my first two years of business, I was working a lot and not being very mindful of my boundaries and my time and how much I gave to the business. And I wasn't even enjoying the income, to be honest, because time was what I wanted. And yet I was crushing it with all this schedule, you know, like every block of time was accounted for, for work, you know? So I had to reimagine that and go, okay, now it's about work I love to do, but also how am I approaching this work that is going to be in alignment with my strengths and what feels easy and what feels natural and not in the same guidelines or rules that have been told to me, you know, that this is how a coaching business should look like, Yeah. you know, or here's how marketing should look like. Cause that's what I was spending a lot of my time doing. Instead of coaching, I was being a marketer and I did not want, that wasn't my job. My job is to coach. So yes, marketing is important, but how can I, you know, like I was blindly following a lot of marketing strategies that were just told to me that you have to have this, you have to have an email sequence, you have to have an opt-in, you have to have a blah, 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 <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, okay, what I actually really enjoy is just real conversations. And, you know, I kind of just want to pick up the phone and not go through an automated email. Like, so that is like not what any digital marketer I've ever hired has told me because they always want to scale and automate. And I was like, and I was more, I want to be intimate and I want to know my clients. I'm about to date these people for six months to coach with them. I don't want them to say, you know, pay for things that I, before I know we're a right fit, you know, and I kind of had to rebel against what was told to me is the best way to scale and the best way to grow a coaching business and come back into what feels felt right for me you know, and what allowed me to do things joyfully, you know, I still do marketing, but in a way that, you know, that isn't going to feel fraudy or icky, you know, to my values and my ethics. So that was a big learning curve for me. And so after I had to go through my own reinvention in that sense, I sort of realized, okay, we, if I'm doing this kind of three years too late, like I wish I did this in the beginning before things got hectic. And so then I went, no, this is what I need to teach 
like from the inaugural step, not to mm-hmm. wait until you get clients, not to wait until you get all the worst clients and then that gets, leaves a bad taste in your mouth about your practice, right? It's actually to start off on the right foot with valuing yourself and valuing your time and, and consciously choosing how you want to work from the get-go so that you can actually do that and practice that, you know, when you still have space in your calendar, mm-hmm. you know, before you get way too busy and, and then maybe decide, you know, to make changes, which I did. That took me a lot, lot longer time. So yeah, that's kind of a, a long story to your answer <laughs> of how it all kind of panned out in my own journey too. Before I hit the record button, we were just talking about everything going on in the world and I've got like five different directions I could go. So all this is great. But I think, <laughs> I guess, two of the biggest things that are, are coming to mind when I was like taking notes as, as you're talking, but one of, this, one of the themes that I'm taking away is this, this notion of rebellion, of, of the work itself and redefining work, not as you know, not as a job itself, but as a career, not as a, as a business marketer, but as a coach. And how are you doing that that is unique to you, to your values, to your strengths? And I think in many times that, you know, it's, it's such an interesting concept and we don't have enough time probably within like the whole weekend to dive into everything about work and how cha- and work is changing itself. Mm. But I think for people who are in this space of helping, helping people as coaches or as consultants or anything like that, with their lives and their careers, we're in a unique opportunity because we very much are redefining it for ourselves and redefining it in many other ways too. But if we don't connect back to what those things really, really are, then we find ourselves, you know, like, like you mentioned, where we're just have every single hour booked and then we're having all these automations and then we're doing everything we feel like we should be doing and what people are telling us how to run a successful coaching business and blah, 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 blah. And it ultimately is taking us out of, out of that path. So the second part that I was super curious about and kind of going back to, cause you help also lots of people open up businesses too. So I guess you mentioned like in the beginning of almost like choosing a different behavior. And I feel like so many people, especially in the change process from moving from A to B, it's so much about behavior change. And to really be successful, you need to really identify what those behaviors are and then adapt new ones. So I'm curious for you, and you know, you might have mentioned this with time boundaries and things like that, but for you, especially in that stage one, the first one to two years, what were some of the biggest challenges and struggles or maybe those behavior changes that you had to do? Or even another way to ask that is, For some of the new business owners and coaches that you train and consult and teach, what are the struggles and challenges that you see they most go through? Wow, there's so many. I'm trying to think about the most common obstacles that arise. And I think in the beginning of time, you know, when someone has a somewhat fuzzy idea, so it's not the first time they've thought about business, you know, Mm -hmm. they've always wanted to work for themselves, but things got in the way, you know, life got in the way. I'll do it next year. I'll do it when I get that promotion. I'll do it when I have the baby, you know, it's always that sort of story. And then one day it happens and they go, okay, I think I'm ready to commit to doing this now. (laughs) And then that's the stage where I I find that's when they kind of find me, you know, it's sort of, okay, I have a fuzzy idea, but it's not clear enough yet for me to understand where I'm taking it and how I'm going to do this and implement this idea. And in at this stage, and I think I was definitely someone that experiences as well, is that you do feel that you have to take a big bite. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do a lot, right, in the beginning of time to be able to put these moving pieces of what we call a business together, this whole vehicle. And part of that is the fault of the marketing out there, which is what, you know, we see on the Facebook ads and every 50 steps to launch a business blog, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, there's just yeah. all these things to do. And if no you wonder, exactly. Yeah. Or if you haven't launched two businesses in COVID, you are a loser, you know, like mm-hmm. there's this pressure of time and that you can have six figures in six months. If you just take on this blueprint on this swipe file, you know, or whatever is being marketed out there that makes people feel like if they just got these steps, right, that they'll be successful rather than having the sole responsibility of the deep work they actually have to be putting in, especially mm-hmm. as coaches. That's, you know, if you were maybe an e-commerce kind of product-based business, maybe that's different. Yes, you have to know kind of more the technicality of that kind of stuff. But I think if you're in a human to human business, you know, the, the business of helping, right, where you're dealing with supporting another human, 
like that work is so different than email list strategy and yep. <laughs> Facebook ads. And also the question, do you need any of that? Because if you are in the human to human business, you might also be wanting to have a human to humans marketing strategy that isn't mm -hmm. sexy, but it's real and it's personal, you know? And so part of what I see going on is that people tend to fall into the trap of doing too many things at once to really start a business and not really taking a necessary pause to ask themselves, what's the next thing I need to get clear on? What's the next thing I want to explore? But that brings me next to my next thing is that exploring and experimentation is also something we're too scared to do because yeah. we're in a society that wants that quick answer right now. Yeah. We want an answer, we Google it, mm -hmm. right? We don't think about it in our own right? Like mine to go, what do I want to do? We rely on an external source of information to give us that answer. And that's lovely. Internet is why we're talking and we can talk from, you know, across the globe, yeah. but where it goes from inspirational information to like, you know, comparison and feeling like, whoa, I'm not good enough to do this because this other business owner have done things so well. There's no mm -hmm. freaking way I can do the same thing. It slowly can eat at your confidence and then implant the self-doubt that you don't have what it takes mm. to have a business, you know, because of all these complicated things that they have told you you need to be able to sell the software, to be able to sell the strategy. And when I say bite-sized, that's really related to the behavior design or behavior change that you mentioned, right? And it's so true that this behavior change, whether you're realizing or not, is happening, mm -hmm. you know, is whether you're changing behavior for a positive way or in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Right. In my own behavior change, as I said, I was a high achiever, someone that, you know, really is a perfectionist. And as a perfectionist, I had to get things right all the time. So I would not put things out there until I until I mulled over it for nights on end, yep. causing myself way more pain and suffering. Right. Yep. Or the belief that no one's going to respect me if I put something that isn't complete out there or if I asked questions or asked for feedback that would equal that I suck and that no one should trust me because I should have all the answers, Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right? As a coach, I have to have all the answers. So if I didn't know what I was doing, if I showed some sign of weakness by asking a question, would that affect my reputation? You know, so I had all these narratives, right? And so I had to overcome that by actually understanding that my version of work and what is joyful work is not working in isolation. It's working in collaboration mm. to actually be, using the power of asking, using the power of conversations, which is what I love, mm -hmm. to actually get feedback, get support from people to help me build something that they're going to want. Mm. So in a lot of ways, when I start, you know, even in my programs these days, we do not go into any, we basically don't do any marketing till the very end of the course. Cause that is literally what I say. It's like, we're building a house. We're not decorating. You have nothing to decorate. So stop going on your website. Stop trying to get the colors right on your logo. There's no point because you haven't built a house. There's no frame. There's no architecture. There's no right? Like there's no, how many doors do you have? Where, where is it facing? How are you going to, who are you going to invite to your open house? Right? Like there's yeah. no foundation. And so the foundations are the most important part. It's the heartbeat of your business because yeah. before you start to share your vision, which is when you have the open house, right? To the public, you have to actually be building that house first. And that house requires you to do some of the behind the scenes work that isn't what you see out there that other business owners are projecting in their Instagram channels and Facebook pages because they don't share those things. Yep. But they're doing it and that's why they've been successful. Things like the market research, things like exploring and testing ideas, mm -hmm. seeing what works, refining, making mistakes, trying again. Yep. You know, all those unsexy things that nobody's really sharing because they're sharing the glossy picture yep. of what is success in the business world, right? And so when I've seen people do this thing in more bite-sized steps, then that's when these tiny habits construct because they're training themselves to think smaller, yeah. you know, to think about what, you know, I always call it like, don't, like I always train my clients to think about it this way. Don't think about the goals that you want to meet. Like, yes, we can talk about that and it's nice to have a vision, but in a lot of ways, big goals are goals you cannot control. Mm 
Hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when things will change. You don't know when you might go, that's not for me <laughs> after doing a bit of work on it. You have no idea how it's going to lead you. There's a vision of, you know, maybe the ingredients you want in your work and so forth, but you're not really going to be like, you don't have the answer right anyway to really go, how much money am I really going to be making? You know, how popular am I going to get? Is my website going to be found? Like you don't have control over that. What you do have control over is movements. So movements to me are goals you can control. Movements to me are small and so tiny. Like, you know, my, my own coach, Pam Slim, who does a whole program on tiny, tiny action marketing, you know, where it's just the smallest seeds you're planting for marketing instead of bigger bites. She always says, you know, tiny habits and tiny actions are so small that it's almost insulting for you to do. That's when you know it's tiny enough for you to do it. What's an example of one? So an example of that, let's say your goal is to get clients right? Biggest coaching goal that people want, right? As a coach, (laughs) get clients. Yeah, it's a big one. If you think about it as, oh God, I have to build my list. I have to do all these things. It's like a very long-term thing to do that, to build Mm -hmm. your audience and list. But what it is, is really what you can control is I need to start building trust wherever I am, right? I can't control the algorithm Uh and I can't control when, you know, where people find me. But one Uh seed, one tiny thing I can make movements on is, for example, let's say if I I do believe that I can spread the word more easily, if I can talk about it. And maybe that makes me think that I want to pitch for some podcasts. I want to find some podcasts, right? And maybe instead of going for the famous podcasts that have multiple competitors and people with big, you know, big lists that are on there, you might actually aim to go for new podcasts that actually are those hosts are working very hard to get an audience, you know, and will spend more time probably with you because they care mm-hmm. in the beginning of their podcast about building their audience. And you start to, you know, one tiny bite-sized step is just spend half an hour looking at what the new releases are on iTunes for the newest podcast that fit the category that you may want to pitch to. That's one action, right? 30 minutes can be done in one block of time okay. and you know when it's finished, <laughs> Right. So the goal, if you said I need to get on five podcasts by the end of the week, then that's not right. Too big of a goal. Right. Right? Because you can't control that, but you can control that you do one part of the research. And then the next maybe bite sized step tomorrow could be just, I said, I I create a template that I can explain some topics I want to talk about. And that's it. That's my one bite sized task. Just create the template. And then as you do this, the third day, well, you've got a template ready. You've got a short list of podcasts. So the act of pressing send to pitch is much easier. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, cause yeah, if I was yeah, to pitch yeah. today and I have to sit on my computer and go, what should I say? How <laughs> yeah. do I yep. stand out right now? Like there's another move here that you didn't make yet. Yeah. And that's why it's making it hard to pitch. So that's what I always say to my clients and myself as well. When something feels hard, what is a step you didn't take yet? in order to do, to let this be easy, right? And that might be a better question than how do I make myself do this task that I don't want to do? But what's actually missing for me that can make this task easier, you know, that I can control, that I can do in one sitting and I know it's complete when I've done it. This could go into like multiple applications as far as like building your whole coaching business. I know, you know, some of the things that we said here on this podcast, but even for our listeners of like, for a lot of the our listeners today, they might be in the first stages of even like, don't even have coaching business yet. This might be, you don't even have a client yet. So this, yep. in my mind, this might be just go talk to one new person or strike, or you might already be coaching somebody, have one next session with them. Totally. I mean, I just covered this last month. I ran a free training, which is available at anyone that wants to watch it. It's called how to launch a business you love. And I talked about the six meaningful steps, steps that have nothing to do with, you know, like the fads and the trends, but everything to do your own understanding of your work and what really matters in building the actual backbone, you know, of your business, the heartbeat of your business as well. Right. And step one is not even talk to people. (laughs) Step one is actually how do I see my work being translated with what I know how to do? Because where people start is they have too big of, they're like, I'm a writer, you know, I'm a coach. But what does that mean? Like, what are you coaching on? How do you coach? Like yeah. what specific problem do you want to coach on? You know, yeah. like what, 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 how does your life story may have given you some clues maybe about what it is that you may want to help people with, you know, what air, like, you know, a coach is just a title, you know, it doesn't tell anyone what you do differently what's unique to you so this is sort of like stage one is like understand your sweet spot 
right? What's that sweet spot between what you know how to do and what areas of your skills can be matched together or blended together that can help you to actually solve a problem in a very different approach, you know? And what are you deeply interested in solving? Because if you don't have deep interest in the topic or you're just doing it because that used to be your past resume and you kind of know that industry, but you're not really that interested in it anymore, that's not going to last very long for sustaining you, hmm. right? That's why whenever I look at the story, I never just look at the resume because there's some really good clues to the life they've, le they've led. Things they haven't been paid to do, but have accomplished without any kudos, <laughs> yeah. you know? There's clues there with like what you've solved for yourself may very well be that meaningful thing you want to help solve for other people because it's been such a transformative milestone for you. It just goes back at the same point a little bit before in the beginning when you're talking about, but it's, we're redefining what work means for us as an individual. And just because of what has been done before by anybody else or what you've done before, or the identity of what is attached to what we, of coach does this or insert title does that doesn't mean that's the way you should be doing it moving forward. Yeah, totally. And, you know, coaches have this worry as well that they're like, oh, career coach. Well, there's a million of them out there, right? Like that's daunting yep. to feel like, yeah. well, should I even be doing this? There's already so many people out there, right? And so that's a hard thing for a coach to navigate if he or she hasn't taken that time to understand their perspective, like what has their own story and their translation of what they find meaningful to share, you know, or the problem that they want to solve in a way that's going to be very meaningful for them to explain. Right. And so when, and, and, and part one, right. This, the, like before I even work with any, any client uh, on business strategy or even any of my programs, module one is always about know thyself, right. It's always about, we start from you because the minute you start to not know that and you just go externally and you try to find a business idea out there, or where you should fit in out there or what people tell you you should be, that's when you're going to build the wrong business. So we're going to get real selfish here. We're going to not give a crap about what anyone thinks right now. And we're going to get real still about what you believe about your work, what has mm -hmm. happened in your life already, mm -hmm. and kind of take a trip down memory lane for us to understand the story of your life and the story of your milestones or moments that had a transitional shift for you that made a difference, that made you become who you are today. Let's talk, let's think about that for a minute, you know? And so that work has been really important. And then the second part B of that work is actually the, the exercise I really give my clients to sort of understand when I think about whatever it is that they think their niche is, career coach, right? Whatever, copywriter. Yeah. It's like, how do I really see, like if I did this work and I helped in this regard to writing or to coaching, what is the ripple effect of my work? What happens to not only the client, right? Now, what are they now able to do because of my work with them? That's not just the obvious thing. I help them change careers. That's the obvious thing. But mm -hmm. what else? Maybe actually not only do you get them in a great career, but now they have like, they know what their worth is. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really clear about what to go for and what to say no to. And you know, what is actually, you know, worthwhile for them instead of, of taking the, 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 the crumbs, you know, they're going for bigger fish because they believe in themselves. Like that might be the transformation rather than I got you in a better career, right? Which yeah. is standard, standard stuff, right? So, and on top of that, there's another next ripple, right? So if that person is in a career they love and they're doing the best work in the world, how does this now impact their families? How does this now impact their neighborhood and community? Do they now feel so good about themselves that they end up contributing to their community? Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, so there's more yeah. to that where how it impacts that individual and how that individual then also impacts the rest of the world. You know, and so when you get to that sort of more philosophical thinking of your transformation, then there's more meaning and purpose to what you do. And now you know why you should do what you do and why people should care, you know? So yeah. that inaugural stage, I think is so important because that's the why, right? That's the why I'm doing what I'm doing. And if you don't get that clear for yourself, because it's in you, it is in you. It's just about taking that time to explore that rather than the, 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 the five-step ways to build a website. You know, like that's not gonna help you be good at your job. This is what's gonna be an, a great investment of time is to under, under know thyself first, yeah. you know? And then, yeah. and then you might have the next stage, which is, okay, now that I know what I think I know about my work, I want to be putting my own investigator hat on and go, how do I remain curious to what, how other people are experiencing these problems, right? And that, that's when the, the, what you talked about, you know, should activate, which is 
having some real conversations with people, real one-to-one yeah. -one human conversations and start getting, don't assume anything. Don't think you know what they want and just get real empathetic, you know, and grounded in how you can see the world through the eyes of these people that you want to help, mm -hmm. you know? And that's when we have to remove our own ego about being the guru and uh, being the one with all the answers and mm -hmm. actually be a student and sort of go, tell me more about why that keeps you up at night. Why do you think that way? What happened for you to think that way? You know, what do you wish to change about that? Whatever it is, the questions are. And that is way more, in my opinion, meaningful ways to build a business than, you know, some of the more, technology driven tactics or I don't know, quick tricks, you know, it's deep work It's deep work. And I think as coaches, we have the response, we need to have that responsibility to do the deep work because we're about to get into some pretty intimate topics with our clients. So we need to do the work in understanding them a lot better. It's interesting because you're exactly right. When you're mentioning the beginning of like, we now have a black box that we carry around that's called our phone every day that we can just click. And then we were talking about Amazon before we hit record that you can literally go on Amazon and get whatever you want to deliver to you the next day, or you can turn on uh, Netflix and watch that thing tomorrow. So I see people either want those instant results. That's faith like that's one part. And then sometimes they get the perfectionism types of people. And maybe some of our listeners might fall in that category. And usually what I hear them say is like, well, if I can't do it hundred percent, I don't want to do it at all. If I can't give every single bit of every point of my life into it, then it's just not worth it. And it's not going to be good. And no one's going to trust me and blah, 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 blah. And it's, I think you're exactly right. In so many of the business of coaching itself, it's a human, human business. And it's funny because what you're mentioning there, I was recently coaching a client. She got a job during COVID and wasn't advertised on any place. and it brought me back to the why I do this work. And for her, she, for all intents and purposes, she didn't have anything. She was just trying to find a job. She's really down on her luck, but we worked a lot with her in networking for people in her space. And I didn't know this till after she got the job, but she was actually reaching out to other people who she made connections with, who also got laid off during this COVID time. And she was checking in to see how they were. And I was like, oh my, I didn't, like, first of all, I was like, I didn't tell you to do that. You're, you're such a good person. I'm glad, I'm so glad you did that. But then the other part for me was that my job why I'm in doing this is so I can put good people like her into doing good work for others. When you were mentioning the ripple effect, I just thought, oh my gosh, that was recently, like in the last two months, that was my ripple, was that I'm helping somebody who I really had no idea she was really reaching out to people. And that's the, the person that she reached out to to ask how they were and how they're doing, got her the connection that ultimately got her the job. She wasn't going mm. in there going, hey, you have job or you think you might have job, go get me something. She was doing it because of what she felt was right to do. And mm. I feel like, you know, as you're talking about as coaches, why we're opening up businesses or even just opening up businesses like these in general, when it comes to those human to human aspects, that that matters a ton. But unless you're doing that deep work to really know what that looks like, you know, I think sometimes happens in the first part and then that evolves especially i mean yeah. probably from both of our stories over the first one year two years and probably even to the seven year <laughs> spot too and i think it's coming back to the why itself which we mentioned on this podcast a ton but that yeah. why matters so much and it's not the shiny tactics it's not the all the stuff that you know the 12 the things that people are telling you to do but when shit gets hard, what are you really coming back to? And I, so much of what you shared, it reminds me of that. And so I guess to pivot to one of my favorite questions, I think you might have been asked this before on another podcast, but what would you say, I guess, in having your business, and we talked about, you know, when, when things get hard and going back to the why and really, you know, coming back to those ripple types of effects, what would you say are some of the biggest sacrifices you have made as a, as a business owner? in the seven years that you've had your business? Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, I, you know, when I think of the word sacrifice, hmm. that, that's like, it gives me like this weird pit feeling in my <laughs> stomach, you know, yeah. like, like, like words that come for me, it's like regret or mistakes, oh. you know, like it's interesting, like how huh. words can evoke a feeling, isn't it? Sacrifice, a sacrifice. Cause, and again, coming back to my own story, you know, my parents would tell me how much they sacrificed to get me to Canada when I was a little girl, you know? So 
that feeling of like guilt of like one of the hardest things for me to overcome when I was leaving my corporate job, you know, was facing my mother was actually the shame and guilt I felt that I disappointed her by not keeping going with the, you know, because I quit at the highest success of my career. I was just offered a partnership at the organization I was in. I was making the most money I've ever made. I was the youngest person to be offered a partnership at the organization. And you would think that was it. That's That's where the mountain, you know, like, but I climbed that mountain and the view just was not what I was expecting. And I was no happier. And I just thought the idea of taking, saying yes to this partnership would never erase the dissatisfaction and the depression I already felt at that time. It was adding, just giving me more money to shut me up rather than... (laughs) really changed the circumstance, you know? So that was huge for me, that that feeling that uh, my mother gave up so much to bring me to a, a, a better place for me to have an education and so forth. Um, and I'm giving that up to pursue something different. So that's why the word sacrifice, just to give you some context of why that no, felt no, so that, Thank you for sharing, for sharing that. I think a lot of the people who are listening have also gone through that same or are going through that same spot. The first question my mom asked me when I became a career coach. I know if I shared this with you when we chatted, she was like, Philip, what do you can do about health insurance? And I'm like, (gasps) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just wanted to help people. (laughs) Thanks for making me more worried now, mom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was like, oh man, I hope I just don't get sick anytime or anything like that. Totally. Parents have a still a power over us, whether you're 14 or 40, you know, like doesn't matter. Right. And mm-hmm. anyone who's listening who has an Asian mom, that's a, you know, they don't call them tiger moms for no reason. Like they know how to guilt trip you, you know, it's, it's part of their psychology and their DNA <laughs> Yeah. as Asian moms. But, you know, so when I've thought about, you know, I, as you know, I, as you've already alluded to, I have been asked this question before. And actually I have been talking about these things before because people do ask me that question clients included like you know it feels like i have to sacrifice something my financial security my this my that you know and so what i've sort of realized is that what felt better for me is to revise that word of sacrifice to what was the exchange What's the exchange? Because it is an exchange. It's yeah. not. It is a sacrifice if you did it and you didn't. You and, and you weren't. You weren't replacing it with something you wanted, hmm. right? So if I said I sacrificed my six-figure job with a pension and a partnership for entrepreneurship, it would have sounded like, oh, I didn't want entrepreneurship and I had to sacrifice. You know, I was, I was forced to do it, yeah. and it's not a sacrifice. I had full will. Full will, as, as hard of a decision it was and how scared I was in my pants. I, it was a willingness of a desire. So to me, I was exchanging security for a bigger dream. I was exchanging a sure thing for a paycheck for a bigger way that I could be have more autonomy over my life and the way mm-hmm. that I want it to work. You know, like we have to do, and that's why I'm very careful with words because I know how much in, historically words have affected my behavior. And my beliefs. So I know that wasn't the original question, but I well, thought no, it is. I, it is so it's I such an important it. thing to talk about because words are powerful. Words turn into thoughts, and thoughts turn into beliefs. And yeah. so we have to be very talk about the ripple effect. You know, yeah, <laughs> biggest ripple words, effect we have to control. <laughs> yeah, and words totally matter, but they matter even more when the, you use them on yourself. I, yeah. I, I Tony Robbins. He's like, yeah. Yeah. It's where your focus goes. Your energy flows. It's a lot about physiology, but also totally itself matters so everything's you know my heart's between my ears you know like i really am a sensitive person to noise and hearing and stories you know it's what makes my gift brilliant because when i mm. speak to people it's like this interesting thing it's like you know, i don't know if you watched that movie with russell crowe a beautiful mind oh yeah <laughs> So when I talk to people, now. like literally I would get like, it's like these weird cartoons happen in my mind about how I'm piecing together the story. So my brain works in this weird autistic way almost like of like doing this thing. And then it just ends up, you know, becoming a story for me in my brain. But that's where my gift is, is between the ears. But it also is my worst enemy because what I hear about myself, what I hear about, you know, what I say to myself as well, it can affect me very powerfully. That's why I want to revise that word to exchange. And exchange is, I'm willing to do that. I knew I did that. I'm conscious I made that exchange. And so it doesn't feel like it's been done to me that I had free will and autonomy over my decisions, which is the truth and what we have to take responsibility for. But we have to understand what the exchange really is. And that exchange has to be something better. That exchange has to be something more powerful and purposeful for us. And the exchange cannot be 
I just want to quit my job because I hate my boss. Yeah. That's the wrong energy. And I was just talking to a client yesterday, actually. And she said to me, it took her so many years to start her business. And she kept starting, stopping, starting, stopping. Like it was just, it ended up just being a vicious cycle for like the last five years. And then when she started working with me and we did the more know thyself thing, which she never did, you know, she just went yeah. straight to business model, you yeah. know, stuff instead of that piece. And she said, I now realize why I didn't get started and I keep stopping is because my, the energy behind my motivation, the intention I had to start a business was grounded into this negativity of feeling like a victim in my career, feeling like my boss is out to get me, feeling like I just wanted to escape corporate rather than build myself or right have a different vision about where how I see myself growing with a business and why a business is my vehicle you know to allow me to be this person I want to be I didn't think much about that and that's why it wasn't happening for me because it had no fuel it had no why the why is the fuel to create yeah. you know the, the sustainability in the engine so back to your question about what I had to exchange I think one of the things I had to exchange is my sense of sureness, which I think is very much tied to my sense of security, yep. you know, growing up in a very volatile household, you know, where my parents divorced at a very young age, I grew up in a, in a very kind of abandoned state of childhood. It made me really responsible. Like I grew up really quickly and started earning a living really quickly, but it always offered me a sense of instability, no matter what job I had, no matter how much money I had in the bank. And a job was kind of the sure thing I was always have been aiming for because it was something that I thought would bring me the most happiness because that was my worst pain was feeling unstable, right? Or unstable yeah. and money was going to solve that. Yeah. And so I had to really exchange that feeling of needing to feel safe and secure with something sure, you know, with the exchange of, I did not want to live in this scarcity mentality. I didn't want to live with that. This external thing called money would define how I behaved in the world. That there was more to me than this traumatized little girl from the past, you know? And so that I had to kind of look at my fears and face them in a much more real way, you know? And the first business, uh, first year of my business was like 10 years of therapy. Like it really threatened my security because the first year, what happened? I had a flood in my rental property that I rented out and my brother and I owned that house and uh -huh. he forgot to renew the house insurance <laughs> and I had to pay out of my own pocket almost oh $10,000 yep, of all my savings to this flood. And I remember thinking, this is it. I got to go back in the cubicle. How shameful is that? <laughs> Screw the cubicle goes back to the cubicle. Like it was just, <laughs> I refused to do, make that my story. That is not a chapter. <laughs> But at that moment, I remember this really well. It was just when I landed in Bali, when I was so blissful and like, this is a new life, new fresh. And this happened. And I went, what the hell? Like um, the universe is conspiring against me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not meant to be here. I'm not, you know, I'm not meant to be here. I'm not this, I'm not da, 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 you know? And like, and then I remember really like this moment where I just sort of like, was a, just looking at tickets to come home and things like that. And I just went, this is the moment that you either decide like this decision yeah. is going to pretty much form your reality of what's going to happen in the next 10 years, like literally this moment. <laughs> and if you decide to go back to your default behavior of scarcity and fear and insecurity and just letting that engulf you like flames, you are going to behave how you behave, which is just go for the sure thing, a job. But instead, if you were to choose a different muscle to build or a different part of yourself you want to actually, you know, commit to, which is the fighter in you, the one that, you know, is always also in there as well, as much as the scared little puppy, you have that other fighter of spirit that has helped you to do some pretty amazing things. How can we utilize that energy and get creative about about making some money right now to help yourself or being creative about what could work for you right now, even if it's to go ask your mother for a loan, like whatever you need to do, you, if you chose this part of yourself, then it's going to prove to yourself that you have this resilience that can keep you going and your why of wanting this freedom and wanting this new life for yourself is more important than falling into the fear of, mm. right? Or what's mm. easier to do, which is just to go home and get a job. That's the easy one. I already know, I already know the conclusion to that story. I don't know the conclusion to the other part B that I could be taking, which is 
Let's see what I can do with the time I have and how I can make that money back. And in that month, it's funny how when you're broke as hell, when you need to fire under your butt to do something. And I just got really creative. I was working with a VA at the time, making my website and I loved her and I thought she was excellent. And I was also in part of some Facebook groups of women that just were struggling with their website and just not get, just paying either too much money or trying to DIY it themselves. And I found the sweet spot of this VA that I worked with in the Philippines and then my own strategic brain of, you know, what to put in the site and then she can design it. But that extra help of like, not just to work with a designer, but to also work with a, a story strategist that can help you actually design a better site. And I offered this promotion for getting your website done for you for a thousand bucks. And that included my coaching and it included my VA to do these, you know, very simple five page sites. There were some boundaries. So like only, you can only get this theme. There's only five pages. It has to be done yeah. by this time. Right. Yeah. Like, so it wasn't like I was uh, spreading the project and I got, I made my money back from what I spent on my flood mistake <laughs> within a month and a half. And that's because my focus just became like, awesome. it was that rebelling thing again. It's like, I am not letting that be my story. And it's like, I'm going to get creative. What can I do with the resources I have, with the assets I have, with what's worked for me? And how can I share that? Yeah. You know, so that was a really great mini project you know, to put something out there in the world that I've never done before, but knew that I could, you know, like I would figure it out and I had the players or I had the assets to help me do that and then just put it out there. And when someone said, yes, yeah, I had to kind of come up with the system and got better with each client. But, you know, it was like, I didn't have time to waste to overthink this because I was literally at like minus $2,000 in my bank account. I was on overdraft. So I had to think fast and I had to think big. <laughs> but that moment did something to my psychology because another thing two years later happened in my business that made me feel like not in control and, you know, losing more money than I uh, you know, could manage. And that moment helped me to remember, like when that second thing happened to me, it helped me to remember you've been here before, mm. you were fine before, and you were creative and innovative, and you just need to tap into the energy again, but you've proven to yourself this can happen. And so it, you know, each time I refused to back down and kept going and persevering, it built my, my resilience. It built my habits to believe that I have the capacity to save myself, you know, but that is long story short, it is the exchange because security is my biggest thing. I want that, you know, but in order to build that security myself on my terms, I had to really let go of it being the most important thing, you know, in my life, allow myself to actually tap into to other aspects of my values that I never put in the forefront, which is like my creativity, you know, my problem solving skills, like all these other things that I never valued in myself because I was so busy kind of just trying to put money in the bank, you know, and, and there's multiple exchanges that I've done in my business. Like even the, you know, to not want to grow, like right now where I'm at in my business and what I've tried and what I've experienced with every single try has taught me more and more about the kind of business I want to build. And the kind of business I want to build is not an empire. I'm not interested in an empire. I'm not interested in managing people. I'm not interested in doing all those. And I had to exchange my ego of wanting to be like the next Marie Forleo or, you know, something, whatever that seed was planted in the beginning of time and go, I don't actually want that. What I want is the impact. I love Marie. And I think she does an amazing job of helping and supporting people. That's actually the quality I enjoy and what I see more of myself in it, but not the kind of big business that she has. It's not, not my cup of tea. And I've realized my life, my lifestyle choices, my flexibility, working less, you know, doing more, being better rather than being bigger, right? As my friend Ashley Gartland would say, who has the better than big podcast, you know, better than bigger. That is actually that minimalistic business that I require to, to really feel joyful in the balance of life and work. So, you know, took take seven years to get to that next answer. And I'm sure ask me again in three years time in my 10th year anniversary, I'm sure that would have would evolve too. Thank you so much for challenging me back and using the term exchange instead. And I think that so much in every part of that story that's that that same it comes back it, it it comes back to that that word it matters from the energy that are you actually exchanging something that you want moving towards stuff that you want or are you running away from the things that you don't want because that's not good yeah for you. that's not going to sustain for a long period of time and that's so interesting and you don't you don't just do it with like like in my mind things or time 
but you you mentioned you're also doing it with actually like ego i think as business owners that's like sometimes or as coaches and you mentioned even like feeling like we have to know all the answers that ego is like that silent like demon right behind you that's going to just get in your way and we have to almost like remove it at every single stage because it's going to be the thing that throws throws us off yeah in, in later times so totally and it brings out the imposter right the imposter syndrome that comes yeah. when we think we have to know everything but yeah. That's why I say like business is such a therapeutic experience. It's such a spiritual experience in a lot of ways, because I do not know of any other tool that, you know, and I trust me, I've I've paid thousands of dollars in therapy. I'm still in therapy. You know, I believe in therapy. Don't get me wrong. And all sorts of self-development, you know, tools and mentors and so forth. But the most powerful thing has always been through the vehicle of business, because it really is like real time therapy. You know, you have to feel those feelings immediately. You have to do something about it. And I think that, um, as you, you know, especially as coaches to do this work, because this work is so purposeful for coaches, right? When you become a coach, it's really a, a very grounded part of, of like who you want to be, you know, and, and how you want to contribute is personal. And because it's such a personal business, that's when the imposter monster is the loudest because it's so meaningful to you. You Mm -hmm. cannot screw it up. You know, whereas if it's like an e-commerce product, it's like, oh, well, it's got an arm's length distance. Like, I don't, I'm not insulted yep. if it doesn't work. Yep. You know, it's the algorithms problem, not mine. But when you are coaching and you feel that you'll be rejected or you feel that you're not good enough or you feel that you haven't made the impact that you want to make, that's a personal. If We take it personally. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think it is so important for coaches to talk about these boundaries, to talk about actually how do we coach better without being the sole responsible responsibility, uh, you know, or being the only person responsible for our clients' uh, results. How do we actually allow our clients to do the work and be 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 guiding them rather than telling them what to do? You know, mm-hmm. how can I hold back about, you know, um, not giving advice all the time and actually allow my clients to see their own advice, you know, see that they can actually be the answer to all their problems, you know, and that's not to say like, I'm a pretty blunt coach myself that the times that I'll just say, you know, I'm going to cut through the crap. This is what I was going on. And I'm going to just give you that reality check pretty quickly. But, um, you know, it's a balance of that is, is that collaboration. And I think we cannot get to um, being better coaches and if we don't take the time and create that space for us to do the deep work, yeah. you know, about our body of work, about like thinking time, about how we feel after coaching a client going, what did I do there? How did I do that? What happened in that session? Like really just taking these field notes as we talk to everybody, that kind of work to me is more important, especially in the beginning of a business uh, than trying to, you don't even get a website up in my opinion. You know, and that that's, um, we're near in the end of our time. And I, and I, I knew this from the first time we chatted, but even today I'm like, there's just going to be so much packed in here, but, um, and more than we have time. So one of the last questions that I want to leave, um, leave with you, you know, it's, it's the clean slate question, right? If you were to go back to the beginning of the business and you, and you just mentioned this, maybe it's the deep work part, but um, going back to the very the very beginning and didn't have the seven years that we have have now, what would you would have done thought differently then? Yeah, if I was to go back in a time machine and kind of talk to Lydia from seven years ago, um, I mean, I it is it is in the theme of what we've talked about today is that sort of having a more conscious decision making process, like questioning why I'm building what I'm building, what, what is for, like, you know, not only is it yes, for me to earn an income, mm-hmm. but also what else am I looking for, uh, for this job to fulfill? What other things beyond money am I looking for fulfillment with, you know, and how is that work going to help me do that? You know, and, and, and also how will it affect my lifestyle choices? You know what it is. I mean, I, I actually would say I, I answered that question a bit early on because I was just never was ever going to be stuck in an office again. And so the idea of being free and location independent was definitely one of the first kind of things I wanted, you know, as part of my business. But I would have been I would still be more conscious about that question because I would be more mindful of my time. That was something I didn't do well. So you can say, oh, I work location independently. 
But if you're working 10 hours a day, no matter if you're on a goddamn beach yeah. or not, you're still working. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I would have been a bit more, right? Like mindful about how I was spending my time. What was really essential? What was busy work versus real work? You know, what tactics was I taking, taking on because it was a have to versus a want to, mm. you know? Um, I would have... I would have been more uh, like these check-ins. I think I would have done a lot quick, more s sooner, you know, and actually something that I've used as now a ritual every 90 days, I have a thinking retreat. I huh. literally take myself physically. I just came back from one. Uh, I take myself physically out of my home and I check into an Airbnb for two to three nights. And I just, there's no work to be done. I, this is just thinking time and evaluation to go, how do I feel? right now about my work? How do I feel about the projects I did last, last, last quarter? Do I want to continue with any of these projects? Because there's nothing wrong with breaking up with the project, breaking up with an idea, because yep. you have that autonomy. And, and it's hard for me. It's hard for me to admit something didn't work. So I knew, I know my thinking retreats are really needed because it's time for me to go, am I still pushing it? Because I'm, my ego's in the way and I, I've told people I'm creating that and now I'm not, you know, and I just need to do that. Or is it, still something that's meaningful and inspiring for me. And if it's not, it's okay to put it to bed. It's okay to let it die <laughs> so that I can have more space, more spaciousness to have something new that might be better for me, you know, like give myself that honest perspective. Uh, and that time has been hugely valuable for me hmm. to, and because it's, it's pre-constructed and pre-scheduled, it doesn't matter if I got into a hectic mode, I'm doing those thinking retreats all the time. And you don't have to go to an Airbnb for three nights. You can go take a weekend or a, a weekday or an evening and go to the park or get yourself a glass of wine in a nice pastry shop and get a piece of cake and you know, do a bit of an analysis or okay. a, a reflection with yourself. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's just a time away from the day-to-day -day of different environment so that it sparks a different feeling. And then you know, spaciousness to have thinking time yeah. and just to evaluate rather than be an automated robotic version of ourselves and just continue to work on things. And when things isn't working or things don't yet now feel um, as genuine as they did in the past, you know, so I think that has changed, you know, my way of working every year. And um, that's what I wish I would have done earlier, I think, so that I would have not experienced as much of the, the, the burnout and, you know, having to reconstruct things again, like throughout my business. But I also think no regrets. It really helped me to shape who I am today. But, you know, that, that would have been something I wish I could just plant that little seed a little bit, you know, to be more conscious in our decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And first of all, thank you for coming on and like I'm taking that and like I'm internalizing it because I feel like so many of the people that I talk to and some of our listeners were just go, 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 go. And then don't celebrate those wins and don't think about, hey, am I actually doing the right projects that I really need to be doing right now? Do I need to stop doing something? And so many good ideas in there. Like I literally wrote down thinking retreat and circle it. I'm like, thinking oh, retreat, the funnest yeah. thing ever. Disconnect from technology, all these things that, mm -hmm. that I yeah. need to do. And it's just the whole idea, but it seems to me like very much, and I, and I mean this so much as a compliment that it feels like work reinvention strategies, like you are living and breathing those values and not just like right to be, like every single day. And it comes back to, am I reinventing this to the way that I want it to be? And mm. if there's anybody that I've seen who does that incredibly well, it's, it's, it's you. And I thank you so much for that because I'm taking away so many things from that. But I think our listeners can too in the way that is this actually serving you now and be bold, take the behavior changes, the mindset changes to make this work better for you. And from tactical ideas like the thinking retreat, but also just the exchanges themselves. And so thank you so much for coming on and sharing that because I, <laughs> that means a lot to me, but I think it'll mean a lot to our listeners. Thank you so much for such a meaningful conversation. I mean, I love that you deep dived and, you know, really dug in there instead of skipping to 25 questions, which I really love. And I, and I think this was one of the most meaningful conversations I've had on a podcast, which is awesome. And we'll just have to do it again because we have so much to talk about. So thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Before we let you go, how can people get in contact or how can people find you? Well, you know, my website is kind of my home base. So screwthecubicle.com. Hopefully you know how to spell it, <laughs> exactly how it sounds. 
And really right on the homepage, you know, we talked a lot about reinvention today. We talked a lot about the uncomplicated human ways to start a business without being, to get out of your own way and do it simple. You know, I offer kind of a lot of kind of free trainings that are on my site that are really just helping you depending on where stage you're in. So if you are questioning reinvention at the moment, which we all are, I think at this time, there's literally a, a training there called reinvent yourself. It's, it's not even a training. I hate the word training, but it's a conversation. It's a conversation that you can have with me uh, is recorded, of course. But in that conversation, I really do prompt some pretty powerful questions I've had to ask myself through every reinvention. And I share that with you so that you can start to maybe have a thinking retreat with me virtually in that, in that training. And then of course, you know, the steps, for how to launch a business you love that's there. So maybe you want to learn a different way of launching a business that feels more human, which feels more authentic, more you rather than right the external sort of fads um, that might also be a good training to start with. But everything there is basically complimentary. So you can take a view and take a stroll and see what works for you. And hopefully we get a chance to meet uh, someday. And then, you know, my social channels are there. I host a Scott Screw the Cubicle TV. I host a weekly video channel on YouTube, right? That you can check out. That's actually where most of my content lives and where probably the best Lydia is at. I'm not the best. I mean, I, I don't love writing, so you won't see a lot of written blogs <laughs> on my site. You'll see a lot of video. That would be a great channel to check out just to get some, you know, if you were to need some support and some advice, there's different playlists. There's all about career transition playlists, all about starting a business stage, all about lifestyle freedom topics. So they're, they're organized pretty well. But yeah, that's where you can find me. And please, you know, I always love it when I get in contact with people who have listened to a podcast. So like, do not be afraid to DM me on Instagram or Facebook, whatever is your poison. And it is me responding. <laughs> I always send a voicemail and I want to send you a voicemail. So come say hello and tell me what you enjoyed from this podcast. That's just amazing. I if I had got a voicemail, like, oh my God, I've got a voicemail. Like, sorry, I just is geeky on that. But again, thank you so much. Well, for, intimacy, right? Is my I, game. <laughs> the human to human business. And, and also, what are you doing that's authentic to you and standing out? Exactly. But thank yeah. you again so much for coming on. And everybody, thank you so much for listening today. And we'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.